Hello everybody out there and welcome to another episode of the Talk That Talk show with me, Barry Holmes. I'm um, had a great week. Um it was been, you know, very eventful. You know, I feel like, you know, these past couple weeks I've just been ripping and running when it comes to uh, you know, coming back from Vegas. And then on top of that, you know, being able to go to the Bologna tournament just this past weekend. I just feel like you know, I've constantly been on the move and, you know, it's really had my schedule, you know, up in the air most days. And, you know, I just appreciate the times that I can really come here on the Talk That Talk show and just express just what's been going on in my life and just some of the things that I have reflections on, man. And, you know, part of the reason why I'm able to come here each and every week is because I have the support of people like my boy Darius who came to my house because he wanted to watch the show live or you have people like my sister who's joining in on the Facebook live stream uh, people like my boy Say who's constantly challenging me to stay consistent with the schedule but um, you know you have friends out there that truly do support this show and people also like my boy Brian Spawn, who literally look forward to watching to this show every week, or it's the you know his listen to on the drive in. So I really take this responsibility very seriously, and it's something that I look forward to each and every week. Big shout out to my boy Tim Sikora on our Facebook live stream, and then also a big shout out to my brother Tyree Holmes. Uh, Tim says, what up, B? Hope you've been good, brother. Um, I've been excellent, man, and um, I can't wait to come here on the show and pretty much tell you what's been going on. But um, first things first, uh, I kind of have uh, – it's funny because Tyree actually joined on because uh, he's part of the reason why I'm actually going to be opening up this show with a little bit of hat talk because him and Lenny – when I was at the alley, uh, one of the things when we were at Nationals was that we were not allowed to wear hats. So it was funny. I had my whole little ensemble of what I was going to rock at, at Nationals. And then as soon as we walk in, they're like, hey, you can't wear no hats. You know, you can't wear hats. And I didn't know it was on the ban list. My brother was wearing uh, ear pods during practice. And they were like, no, you got to take that out. That's, uh, you know, it's against the rules. You know, I just didn't know how everything was strict. And like Tim said, he goes, Mr. 600 at Nationals. Yes, I did shoot 618 at Nationals, and I was really hype about that. So what I was trying to do when I went out to the Bologna tournament was I was trying to keep my same mojo. I was like, well, shit, if I, if I wear a hat like I did the last time, if I rock a little bit, if I don't wear a hat, then um, maybe I'll, I'll bowl just as good. And uh, it's funny, like Tim said, no hat Nationals, I'm out. Um so, like I said, me being at Nationals, not having a hat, you know, it just it just didn't seem natural to me. Anybody that knows me, they know, like, this hat that I have, it's a part of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'll never catch me without a hat. Big shout out to my boy Ree Smith on our Facebook live stream. But, um, like I said, to see my brother and, and Lenny, and they had the nice lids on. I think my boy Lenny had the crocodile from Hat Club. My, my brother, he had on, I think it was the doll inspired for my fitteds. So they were coming with some heat. They're like, yo, Catmaster B, what are you doing without your hat? You don't got a hat on. So I literally was at Bologna tournament without a hat on. And they called me out for it, man. So I just think it's funny because, you know, when you have certain things that, you know, are a part of you, you know, they, they represent kind of who you are. 
um, you know, me as a hat lover, it was just funny that I got caught on guard not having a hat on. So, you know, that'll be the first and last time you guys catch me out without a hat or in the bowling alley without a hat on. But what I will say to you is this. The reason why I'm starting off this this uh, segment with a little bit of hat talk, because, you know, for so long I've been telling you guys that my fittings has been on the top of the hat game, in my opinion. You know, Russet Sunset has been doing some great things as far as creativity-wise and, you know, really pushing the boundaries of what, uh, a, a, I guess you could say, a specialty or um, an exclusive hat should look like, right? And, you know, Russet has been, you know, even this one is a Bowie Bay Sox. You know, there's been logos that just really haven't been used that Russet, you know, used. And I think that it really speaks to, you know, where his creativity has been um, as a creator. But there are so many other people out there besides just Russet that are creating big time hats, man. And, you know, before the whole hype of my fitteds, one of the biggest places was Hat Club. Uh, a lot of phrases were, if it ain't hat club, it's a dub, you know? And I, I can't tell you how many times I heard that from various people. My boy Travis says, you don't know about hats. This guy's a clown, man. <laughs> Me not knowing about hats. Come on, bro. But, you know, from hat club's perspective, you know, they've kind of embodied what it takes to make a full collection of hats that everybody can get. But at the same time, they're exclusive to where you can't get them as well, too. And I think part of the thing that separates like my fitteds from like Hat Club is Hat Club really does uh, try to take like very simple, basic, um, I guess you could say designs and really highlight that. Like my boy Theo said, he goes, Hat Club is a dub now. And, you know, for the last couple months, it has been a dub. And I've been very, very shocked at some of the heat that Hat Club has been dropping. Now, my fitteds, on the other hand, they had a couple Bison releases, and the one thing that I can say is, is that, and Theo, he's on Facebook with me, so I'm sure he'll attest to this. You know, when you play a fighting game, and you and you have that same move over and over again. People start to get used to that, and they can kind of. And, and if we want to quote Third Strike, they'll start parrying the bullshit, right? You know, Mar when he gets us in the dojo, you know, you got to start switching up the moves. And I think that's what my fittings has done within the last three to four weeks. Each week has had a bison drop. And one of the things that made the Bison so dope was how exclusive they were and how you didn't really see them made too often. So what Russet has done here, by kind of making, you know, the emphasis on being this Bison guy, being the guy that has all the Bisons, what he's kind of done is, is he's opened the door a little bit for Hat Club to try and come back, right? So here's what I'll say. The last couple Hat pickups that I've got have been from Hat Club. And one of the things that I think that really makes Hat Club stand out is that in my fitted's perspective, they're constantly making this new heat. They're constantly making hats that you haven't seen before. But what Hat Club has is they have a bunch more years of experience on my fitted's that Hat Club that has, right? So what they've been able to do over these last couple drops is they've went into the vault, right? 
I talked before uh, on this show about how I kind of wanted to go into the vault maybe for my next Talk That Talk show release, right? So sometimes when you have that that depth of uh, our catalog, right, you can go back in the vault and, and, and try and, you know, bring some old things back out to light, but at the same time put a little twist on it, right? So one of the things that I've seen is getting released again, and this is what we're saying about, you know, reaching back into the vault. But we see that Hat Club is going to be re-releasing the Hat Club Pink Lemonade, right? So this was my original one, right? This was the original Pink Lemonade that I had. Then on top of that, in the same day, they are going to be re-releasing the Cotton Candy Mets hat, right? Both of these are going to be pink brim hats, but they were re-released over a year ago, right? And one of the things that they're kind of tweaking to it is that they're going back into the vault, but at the same time keeping that exclusivity by not re-releasing certain hats, right? So out of the whole collection where this was maybe about 25, 30 teams, you only get a chance at maybe six or seven of those re-released hats. So for someone like a Mets fan like me, I love it because it keeps the exclusivity of my hat of not being re-released. But for those people that didn't get a chance to get those hats, it sucks for them. But, you know, for me, I've always been one of those people that think that, you know, re-releasing, it doesn't really hurt the value of hats too much, in my opinion, because at the end of the day, in re-releasing, like we said, something is always minorly different, right? And with making that little tweak, you're still going to keep the price value up of that original. There's a reason why they're called OG8s, right? Or the OR8s from 2008, right, Theo? He said Jordan Brand should be our biggest teacher. Exactly. You know, they constantly are re-releasing shoes, the Concords. I mean, how many times have we seen the Breads re-release? But at the same time, those OG pairs of sneakers always hold high value. So I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, don't re-release it. Oh, don't go back in the vault because you really might find some really dope things that come out, right? Here we had the OG Pinky, right? I got this. This was my very first Hat Club hat that I got. Big shout out to my boy Savion Gaynor. But this Hat Club was the first team colored Pinky. This is where the hat game really changed. We took team colored hats, right? You know, big shout out to... Um, uh, Pink Bottom Just, Frosty Preem, um, but they actually were one of the people that put team-colored pinkies on hats, right? And now, in that same pinky, you have a re-released version here, but in a different version here. Here you have the actual Mets hat. This is what I just copped, the Mets, with now a different side patch. You have the Miracle Mets side patch, but it is a pink bottom. And this is where I like the creativity of going back into the vault because now you get a chance to see some really dope hats. Here you have the black dome hat, right? The original black hat, just straight up black Mets hat. But what Hat Club did with this is they put the 40th anniversary side patch on it and made it a trucker hat. Yo, this hat is going to get so much play in the summertime, but, you know, to see a trucker hat fitted, you know, we saw my fitteds do it, but not really with a team and a Mets colored theme, you know what I'm saying? And it's fire, you know, uh, Hat Club's been doing their thing. And then another one, the Top 30. Hat Club had created this Top 30 Diamondbacks hat that was made exclusively for the top supporters, right? 
They re-release it. They bring it back. And now we get a Mets version. There was only one version of this hat, and this was Arizona Diamondbacks. Now that we get a re-release chance, you get a chance at the Miracle Mets hat in the top 30 colorway with a gray undervisor, flat batterman. They call this, I think, the copper head or something like that, top 30. But this is fire, you know. So, again, I'm never going to be one to say, no, I don't want re-released hats, you know what I'm saying? Because you're always going to get a chance to get some new flavor or new mixes to that. But in the same realm, you can always get some new some new blood into it too, right? You know, you get to put some new life and see where your creativity goes, right? And I would love to talk about hats all day. But I do want to shout out a couple people here. Um, I got a mail call on some some pins. Um, this one comes from my boy Chino. And this is another thing about the game that I love is that you got a lot of creatives in there. And you got people that are making some incredibly dope stuff. And this guy, my boy Chino, uh, he made this really dope Black Panther pin resting on a Mets hat. All right. This is fire. And I think the eyes glow in the dark as well, too. But, yo, shout out to my boy Chino. Check him out on, um, you know, his page on Instagram. But, yo, the pin creators out here are doing their thing. And then my boy Lenny, who, you know, I hooked him up with a hat one time, and he's really taken off. And that's the cool thing about, you know, being, in a way, trendsetting or, you know, hooking somebody up and, and helping them to go to the next level is that, you know, you get to see the creativity of other people and see who you can inspire yourself. And here you have my boy Lenny, who came up, I think his name is Royalty Crowns on IG, but he came up with this really dope alien head pin, little smoke coming out here with his name in it. But, you know, I really take the chance to, you know, highlight those people and wear them on my hats because at the end of the day, the same time people, you know, always support and rock with my merch, you know, I like to support my friends too. And lastly, just so I can support a friend, big shout out to my boy Koo on ECAP City because he's been absolutely putting out some flames. He's been putting panic in the streets. Like we said, part of the reason why Hat Club or a Dub doesn't exist anymore is because people like Koo have been putting out bangers. And this hat right here had my boy Say going crazy. Because we got the Navy Icy. This is unreleased. We got the Navy Icy Mets hat 2013 All-Star Game patch with the Icy Blue Brim. Flat Batterman. This, yes, ladies and gentlemen, does glow in the dark. That's part of the reason why Koo is so dope. He has his trademark of making sure the hats glow in the dark. And, yo, I'm telling you, yo. This one, when it releases, guys, is going to be insane. Who knows? You might see it at Soul to Soul Expo when you see me and, uh, um, you know, Kenny Lou up there at Soul to Soul July 16th. Who knows? I don't want to give too much, but you might want to be there. My boy Travis says, where'd you get that shirt? I need one with a turquoise and yellow Yankees fitted. <laughs> Yo, these are actually, again, I'm going to get into it a little bit later into the show, Trav. But, you know, part of the reason why I really wanted to make some really dope shirts is for that right there. What Travis just said, and we're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. But one of the things that I do want to talk about, because it was very, very big as far as, you know, what happened in the landscape of the NBA. But the New York Knicks 
have caught so much flack for what they did or did not do on draft day. And we can really break down to the T about the draft picks and the conditionals. We could do that. But I will break it down to you very simply and in layman terms for all those people out there, whether you're a basic Knicks fan, surface-level Knicks fan, big-time Knicks fan, all I'm going to say is this. The New York Knicks had a good chance to try and invest some more stock in their future. They did a great job with Quentin Grimes and drafting him and building him up well. They did a great job with drafting Emmanuel quickly, bringing him up well, and the development for the Knicks has been pretty good. That's not what we're questioning here. The problem is is that they invested in their off-season trades through the draft. And what we saw was is that instead of taking a guy that you can develop and insert right now to affect your team, they chose to trade that pick to trade down to then trade that pick to include in a deal for Kemba Walker to go to Detroit and go, you know, finish up his career, not in New York, right? And we get some of that cap space back, right? So a lot of Knicks fans were really looking for something happen, right? They wanted something like, hey, this, this guy is going to really help our team next year. And we don't have that after draft day. I don't have one person saying, yes, that guy is going to help our Knicks team next season, right? But what we saw is is that with them getting some of this cap space back, our fan base is pretty much told that we need to invest in something big that's going to happen in the offseason. The problem is the Knicks don't really have much leverage on their end. Julius Randle had a downgraded season. You know, he regressed. And with that, regressed his trade value, right? Um, you know, a lot of your young talent, we made that mistake earlier with trading for um, Carmelo Anthony and giving away pretty much our entire team. And we're still trying to rebuild that since then, right? So I think the Knicks are still being very cautious as far as trying to trade their uh, their youth and trying to trade their, their, um, their future. And I think that they're good in doing that because if you look at the Nets and you look at the Knicks, even though, you know, the Nets may have the big names, they're in a similar position because of the fact that their supporting cast is not there, right? And when it comes down to it, what you do in the draft is very important and sets the tone for your offseason, for the training camp, for the regular season. And what we need to see from the New York Knicks is urgency. And draft day didn't really show us much urgency, in my opinion. Yes, it freed up draft, I mean, uh, cap space. Yes, we could maybe try and sign Jalen Brunson. And will we probably overpay for him? Yes. But the bottom line is Jalen Brunson is not going to save the New York Knickerbockers. We need more talent and we need some big moves to happen in New York. And the problem is we don't have the assets to make those moves. And I think that's what makes it so frustrating as a New York Knicks fan because we're in this continuous cycle of rebuilding and then the next year not getting better. Part of rebuilding is implementing new things to get to a higher level. That's what rebuilding is representative of. And what the Knicks are is in a cycle. They're in this cycle and they, and they can't get out of it. Because we keep spinning around the same direction doing different things, but not elevating ourselves. 
Ransom, yo, big shout again to my boy Darius because he told me that Ransom had one of the best albums and I didn't believe him until I listened. But he said one thing in there that I really thought about and I told my brother on the golf course, but he was saying to do what you've never done, you got to do what you haven't done. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to do different things. If you want different results, you got to move differently, right? And I think the Knicks are just continuously doing the same things and that's why we're getting the same results but you know i couldn't hop on this show i know a lot of people were asking how come jeff didn't hop on it because we got to talk about this kyrie irvin stuff man you know and i want to take it from the top i know what the breaking news was but i want to take it from the top apparently from the rip the nets had offered him some sort of deal whether it's multi-year whether it's a certain amount of money all we know is that was a deal for more than one year, right? And Kyrie openly expressed how he was unhappy about that and pretty much forced the hands of the Nets to say, hey, if you want to get a sign and trade, go ahead. That's fine. We'll let you go and get a sign and trade. And I think there, Kyrie Irving got a real big slice of humble pie. It's like that one guy that was with a girl, you know, and he finally gets single. He's like, yeah, I'm about to go do my thing. I'm about to wild out. And he realizes you can't really wild out. You know, nobody's there really banging at your door. And I think that's what's happening with Kyrie Irving. He has really blackballed himself and really, in a way, killed his entire marketability based off of the fact of his availability. He has not been there enough to effectively implement his skill set to affect teams positively and consistently. And that's a shame because when we see Kyrie Irving, he's one of the best talents. He's a Jersey guy. You know, I love Kyrie Irving. But the dude is just not making basketball his priority. And what we've seen from that is, again, a decline in his marketability. So now when he goes for a sign and trade, your best offer is to go with the Lakers for $9 million? I mean, we really see how much of a demand there is for Kyrie Irving. My mom said it before. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. And, and our first impression of Kyrie Irving is that at times, he well, not at times, what he's shown us is that he cannot be selfless. He can't. He cannot be selfless because if he was, he would have been able to affect his team more games than not. And what we've seen from Kyrie Irving is an inability to do so. So now, because he didn't see the options were that vast for him, he has to opt back in with the Brooklyn Nets. And now... He's opted in. He's getting his $39 million or whatever you'd call it. But it still leaves a big gray area in many different parts of this season. Because let me tell you this, and this was a quote. I'm going to read it to you because this is crazy. It, just think of yourself as, a, as an employee of a job, right? Just think of yourself as one of those. And this is what your review is of you. This is what someone as an executive said. They don't believe Irving is committed to doing what it takes to be on the floor every game for his teammates. 
Can you believe that if somebody tells you that you're not committed to winning games every single day to be with your team? That's the craziest thing. That At the bare minimum, they're not saying you can't make a jump shot. They're not saying, hey, you can't cross somebody up. They're not saying you're one of the best talents ever. They're saying you're not committed enough to be a good teammate. And that is fucking shitty. That's the worst thing that you can have. And what you've seen is the repercussions of showing your true character. There's a reason why P.J. Tucker, people were banging down his door to give him three years, $30 million. It's because of the effort that he has shown at even a late stage of his career. He could have been getting the veterans minimum. But because of the character he's shown, because of the character and the ability and availability, he played hurt multiple times throughout his career in the postseason. And he's earned that respect from people, and he's earned that paycheck. And that's what Kyrie Irving does not understand. You can be the most talented basketball player in the world, but there's a reason why Andre Iguodala still gets a roster spot. There's a reason why Udonis Haslam still gets a roster spot. Because it takes beyond just bouncing the basketball and scoring the basketball to be a great teammate. And until Kyrie Irving understands what it takes to be a great teammate, then he's not going to get the payday that he deserves and he won't get the championship or the uh, the acclaim or the, the fanfare that he wants. Kyrie's, uh, Reese says Kyrie got humbled because nobody wanted his ass. That's 100% true. And that's a humble slice of pie that, you know, it would hurt to eat. But... I'm sure 90, 39 million will make that uh, that hurt a little bit less, right? But now you got to think about it, right? Kyrie Irving openly said, I don't want to come to Brooklyn. Find me a way out. All right, I guess I'll stay in Brooklyn now. How can you rally behind this guy that didn't want to be there? Think about everybody in that locker room. Think about Bruce Brown. Think about Joe Harris, a guy who's been there forever. Think about these guys that came to the Nets because they believed that they could do something or they put out their maximum effort, right? And now you have a guy that didn't openly want to be with you coming back. How do you think Kevin Durant feels? Kyrie only has one year. I don't think he's staying in Brooklyn. I don't think anybody in America thinks he's staying in Brooklyn after this year. This is a contract year for Kyrie Irving. He is going to ball out and he's going to want a payday. But does, if he leaves... Does Kyrie stay? I mean, I mean, does KD stay? I know he's went out openly and said, oh, I don't know if he's going to, you know, if I'll leave or not. You know, his, Kyrie does, is not contingent on whether I stay or not. But we're no dummies. We know what Kyrie does affects what KD is going to do. And with him three years on the contract still, who knows if he forces a trade out mid-year. I don't know. But the problem is... Anything that attaches to Kyrie Irving, in a way, just seems to wilt, right? And it just sucks, man, because the guy is just so talented, but just doesn't understand how to be a great teammate. And I think that there was a great segue because, you know, at the Baloney tournament, you know, it was a great time to be a teammate, right? Um we, you know, got started out the Baloney Tournament this weekend. Big shout out to Russ Ryman. I had a great time chilling with him, uh, seeing what Tom DeVico, uh, all the, you know, people that you normally see at league 
and out and about, you know, it was a great time. And um, we got in the car and drove out to Hershey. It's like our annual thing. And we go out and bowl, you know, for the weekend, man, and just go out there and try and uh, win and have some fun. And, you know, it was a great time, man. We got to start out golfing. Me and my dad, my brother, was his first year coming this year. So we got to kind of show him the ropes of what baloney tournament's all about. Big shout-out to my boy Brian Bloom on Facebook live stream as well, too. But um, got to really show him what we do at the baloney tournament. And I thought it was dope because, you know, after golfing, you know, we really got to just go back to the room, relax, hit the pool up, and, and set ourselves up for the weekend. And, you know, the first day of the weekend, I shot pretty decent. You know, I was, uh, you know, doing the things that I thought I could do and wound up winning some bracket money. But, you know, my teammates that I was bowling with might not have bowled their best, but I think part of the thing of being a good teammate is making sure it's not like, oh, look at me, man, I'm killing it, y'all ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think being a good teammate is trying to uplift guys, you know, make sure they're locked in, you know, still trying to compete fight you know and uh the second day i humbled myself because you know i did really well up until maybe the fifth or sixth game the money games and um that sixth game i did really terrible i shot one of my worst games of the season i shot a 125 but i was so proud of that 125 and i know that sounds crazy but out of the all the games all weekend you know, shooting 200 games, you know, winning money, you know, doing the things. Um, I, I was just so uh, happy with that 125 because, you know, there were so many people in that sixth game that I saw quit. There was a lot of people that I saw in that sixth game that were tired, that just gave up. It was too hard, you know. And even though I was missing shots, I was – splitting just bowling like ass like chris shank says here on our chat you got to remember who you are and i'm one of those people that's gonna die on my shield man and um you know i just went out there and i just kept trying to fight um that last frame i think i was working on two misses in a row and i just straight up said i was like yo i'm not giving up man i was like i went to everybody on my team everybody get at least one let's leave out of this alley with at least one one strike Let's go out with something positive, you know? And I just saw everybody in that last frame just try and rise up, man. And everybody actually wound up getting a strike. And to me, that was what being a teammate was all about, you know? In our lowest of times, you know? Not worrying about myself, you know? Not worrying about, you know, what my, you know, what I was doing was. But just trying to uplift the next guy, you know, and and I saw my, you know, my friend Bernard, you know, I saw him struggling and, you know, I just wanted to, you know, just go out to him and just say, yo, just keep fighting, man, just keep fighting. And, you know, I said to myself, I wasn't going to give up. And, you know, that's what I didn't do. And I wound up getting, I think, a strike in that last frame. And it was something positive to take back with me and then leave in the alley. You know, I said to, to Bernard, I was like, hey. You know, you know where I'll be at on Wednesday. I'll be at league. If you want to practice afterwards, you know, hit me up. And I think that that's the next step for a lot of people is how do you deal with adversity? How do you deal with failure? What is your next step after you haven't got what you wanted? I was so upset because all month I wanted to get baloney. You got to get six strikes in a row to get baloney. 
and I've been going for about five, six years, and I didn't get baloney, man. It sucked. It, it really sucked. And, you know, to not, you know, follow through with one of your goals, you know, it just got to spark you to get hungrier, man. And um, I know that next year I'm going to, you know, get it. And I'm going to fight until I can, man. And I think that, you know, not giving up and not making sure that you stop is one of the things that makes us human beings and what makes us strong human beings and what separates strong individuals from weak individuals. And I'm happy to be strong, man, because I, I keep standing up. Every time you get knocked down, you got to get back up. And my boy Tim says, how was that drive home? And I'll tell you right now, guys, it was awful, awful drive home, not because of bowling. And this is the last story that I'll tell you before I get off the air. But in driving home, I was on 287. I was 25 minutes away from home. And then all of a sudden, it's dead stop traffic. I'm like, damn, I just bowl like ass. I just want to go home. And now we're in dead stop traffic, right? And it was crazy because I'm like, okay, you know, maybe things will move. I don't know. I, don't, I really didn't know what to think at the time, but I was just trying to stay positive. And then 20 minutes went past, and I saw people turning their cars off. I was like, oh, man, this ain't good, man. So I get out the car, I lock my car up, walk down the road, and I just keep walking, right? You know, I'm just like, yo, I, I, I got to see what's going on here. And I'm looking to the right, and it looks apocalyptic, man, right? Everybody's got their, their cars turned off. Um, you know, the cars are kind of sprawled out or whatever. And I just keep walking. And then all of a sudden, as I'm walking up to see the trees are opening up a little bit, and you just see a, a big blazing fire, right? And I remember beforehand, it was crazy because I was seeing these fireworks popping off. And I'm like, yo, they're kind of low, though. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're getting close to, like, a, a show or so. I don't know. But I keep walking up. And like I said, I, I'm getting there. And finally, I get to the front of where all the, the stoppage is. And it's just a bunch of fire trucks. There's a bunch of things, like, literally just blocking everything. There's no passing through this. But they're just literally taking their water or whatever and just trying to put the, this truck out and put out what seems to be a fire that continues to grow in the forest or whatever. So I'm like, yo, it does not look like I'll be going home anytime soon, man. And I've wound up talking to, I guess, some cop or whatever. And he tells me straight up that a guy was trying to, to go take the exit, stopped short, and because he stopped short, the heat from the brakes lit off the entire fireworks that was in the back of his tractor trailer. And it was lighting up like Christmas, guys. I'm, I kid you not. So literally the truck is just blazing because this guy stopped and lit off fireworks in his entire tractor trailer. Thank God the guy was okay. He was safe. But the fire was, it was just, it was a lot, man. And when I was, I was on the phone with Doc, and I, it was funny because I was like, all right, I know it's going to be a while, you know, so I'm walking back, but I keep, like, hitting the button on my uh, clicker. So I'm like, I don't know where the fuck my phone, my car is, right? And I keep clicking, and mind you, I was at least walking for a good 20 minutes, and then I finally find the car. And I'm just like, damn, yo, I was walking a good 20 minutes. Did, did, I don't know what we're going to do. We're, we're going to be here forever. Mind you, I had no water. I had no food. Um, luckily I had my phone charger at the time, but 
I was just sitting there for about a good four or five hours, guys, and it sucked, you know. But um, finally, I see a car that's kind of like making a U-turn, so I kind of like followed right behind him, and they actually had us out on the shoulder going the opposite direction. Because mind you, 287 is a three-lane, I guess, road, I guess you can say, but it's not like the parkway or the turnpike where there's another car, like like you can see the other uh, way right on the side of you. This one was just three lanes and mad trees, right? So I'm just thinking to myself like, damn, I know we can't go into like an off-ramp because we'd be going into oncoming traffic. So like, where are we going? And I saw a lot of people that were on the road, right? I felt so bad for the tractor trailers because these guys can't make U-turns. I don't know what time they finally got to their destinations, right? But I did see cars that were there, still parked up, not showing any urgency, trying to make a U-turn or whatever. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, if I saw a bunch of people actually moving, and I've been sitting here for five hours I would do the same thing. And I didn't know if we would get stuck. I didn't know where the fuck we were going. But I was like, I'm moving. I've been here for five hours. I'm moving. So I think one of the things I want to try and say is that sometimes you don't know what the end of your path is going to be. And sometimes that's scary. I was scared too. You know, I'm sure a lot of people on that road were like, damn, I am going to wait until I can go forward and that's it. And they probably waited a good three or four more hours than I did. But what I'm trying to tell you is is if there's an opportunity or if there's some way out or there's some light to the tunnel, don't hesitate to take that because I was out. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know how they did it. They must have forged something because we actually drove through the forest and then went into like some little parking lot area. And then I was out and I was finally moving to go back. But. You know, the point I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, at times the decisions to, you know, move or to go in a different direction can be scary. But, you know, more oftentimes than not, you got to take that shot, man, because if not, you might be stuck in the same position. And we talked about before about rebuilding and trying to go up and go in the right direction. And part of that is moving differently. Right. So, guys, if you want to move differently You got to, you know, I mean, if you want different results, you got to move differently. And that's my final story here, guys. Yeah, I appreciate you so much for tuning in to the Talk That Talk show, you know, every week. I know I didn't wasn't able to come this weekend because of everything with um, the baloney tournament. The plan was to record Sunday night. But as you can see, I was stuck in traffic for over five hours dead stop. I would have loved to come to you guys and record it on Sunday. But that's why it was so important for me to come here today and share with you guys an episode of this show, man. Because no matter what, you know, if there's things in the way, I'm still going to try and find a way to record this show. Because there are people like Brian Bloom, Chris Shank Jr., Robert Brantley Jr., Timmy Hugel, Michael Danzer uh, that really tune into the show and care about what happens and when this show is tuning on, man. And big shout out to my boy, Timmy Hugel. He's been doing his own little raffles. Um, I know he's going to be raffling off a bowling ball. He's raffling off a chance to uh, get yourself a custom jersey. Um, he, he does great work, man. Guys, I wore this jersey at Nationals. I wore this jersey at the Bologna Tournament. And everybody's been saying nothing but good things. Everybody's been loving them. 
Um, even people that I said don't even bowl have you know supported with buying them. So that should just tell you that the quality is there. It's dope. Um, hit up Timmy Hugel. I think through his Facebook page, I think it's Ink Parlor Sublimation. Hit him up directly on Timmy Hugel Jr. on his Facebook and uh, see if you can get in on one of his raffles. I missed, and I missed out. I hit him up today. I was like, yo, you still, can I send that $5 for a slot? And he was filled up. So those slots fill up. So if you want, hit him up, man. But like I said, I appreciate the support all around. You know, I like to keep good people around me, people that, um, you know, keep me positive, keep me motivated. I mean, even someone like my boy Darius who comes here just to watch the show live, you know, that, that – <laughs> that shit is dope, man, and that motivates me because, like I said, I have a responsibility to deliver this show, and hopefully, through my show, I can, you know, inspire people to, to, you know, maybe open up a little bit. My boy Darius was saying before how people sometimes might be a little camera shy. You know, I've asked my boy Stanley to come on the show. Big shout out to him watching. Maybe one day he'll come on the show. I don't know, but you know, with me continuing to do this show every single day. You know that you'll have an opportunity when you're ready. So please hit me up, guys. I appreciate your support. I love you all. Um, this show it, it means the world to me. You know, I've started this from nothing, and I told this to somebody uh, at the Baloney tournament. But this fucking shirt would not be cool if it wasn't for all the episodes that we put in. If it wasn't for you know me spilling out my heart when i lost my friend on this show you know um i just continue to try and be vulnerable with you all and that's why this talk that talk show is seen everywhere and anywhere throughout jersey and throughout this country man and you all are a reason why i will continue to make merchandise i will continue to push this show and i will continue to be myself so thank you all for accepting me thank you all for believing in me and come see me next week Love y'all. See you next week.